Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. Welcome to another week of the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're excited to be here today with Clint Berry from Kala. Welcome. Thank you. Very happy to be here. It's going to be awesome. I'm glad you were able to brave the uh, the torrents of rain to get here. I mean, there's a the never-ending winter. There's floods everywhere alongside the road, and here you are. So thanks for I coming I made down. it. <laughs> All my, the way down from Drew. My basement has flooded three times this winter. Are you so, kidding me? Yeah. We've got some problems. Our house is old. Is there like, are you on a slope or something or is there? There's no gutters on our house and there's oh. a window well. All the snow likes to go right in. Oh. Yeah. Is that a finished basement? Yeah, it was. Now, <laughs> now it's, it's not. It's a half finished yeah. basement now. Now it's not. Now That's it's, uh, everything's ripped up. So. I think everyone's prepping. I mean, honestly, we, we just replaced both of our sumps just in preparation. Yeah, there you right? go. Because I keep hearing that the snow up in the mountains now is deeper than when it was in 1983, which was our last big flooding year. So Yep. Yeah, so hopefully it doesn't keep coming. Yep, Buckle I, up. Here we go. Yeah, right? it's crazy. I, I check it regularly for skiing, and you can see it just hit record. Which has been amazing yeah. this year, so we're not complaining. But oh, yeah, it's awesome. Man. It's awesome. Cool. Well, uh, we usually start out. Let's hear the 30-second pitch on what Kala is. Okay, don't start the clock. Uh <laughs> Kala uh, is our first product that we've released is an integration platform as a service. And so some people have heard of that before. It's an iPass. That's what they call it. And what we do is we help companies build integrations faster. We have a bunch of pre-built connectors already built that you can leverage. Um, and what separates us from the other iPass competitors out there is we've built connectors to on-premise systems like legacy healthcare systems in dental, vision, automotive uh, that help people build integrations to those systems faster. So that's our first product. Yeah. Cool. And a lot of that, Clint, I mean, that's what you're doing now, but in a previous life, you were one of the co-founders of Weave and a lot of, I'm sure what you built and did there is coming into play here. Is that right? Yeah. 100%. Right. Uh, that was the whole inspiration. Um, when we left Weave, me and my co-founder who was the chief architect at Weave, were trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And we kept coming back to this. We're both driven to help small businesses, local businesses. Same thing at Weave. Like that was really the driving factor behind the co-founders and, and a lot of the people there is helping local businesses. And we wanted to continue that trend and we thought how we could do that. And we saw that as a major issue. It was really hard to integrate into dental software at Weave. That's what we started out, out with. And so we're like, how can we make this better? Like, let's go make it easier to integrate. And we're tackling it from two prongs. The one is the iPass, the integration platform, and that's like help people get integrated in those systems. But also we go to those systems, and our second product is a developer portal as a service, which is like let others integrate with you and make it easier to let others integrate with you. So we're trying to bridge that gap of software communicating together. And ultimately our mission is to make the best so give companies access to the best software in the world and they don't have access until it works together. So so what's a real-world example of like a, a perfect customer for you? Sure. Uh, well, one of our first customers is another local startup here called DrumCV, and they help customers look at their support data and analyze it and tell product what to build based on the support tickets that are coming in. And so to do that, they have to get access to that data. So they're like, we need to integrate with Zendesk, HubSpot support, 
Freshdesk, all these ticketing systems. And so we went out and built all the ticketing system connectors for them to accelerate that process. And so they just leveraged our platform and they were integrated in, you know, six ticketing systems in no time and allowed them to expand really quickly. So that's an example of a good customer fit. Very cool. Very cool. Does a lot of what you're doing require, you know, open APIs and things of that nature, Clint, or can you do it without it? How, how does that Yeah, I mean, work? we have d- different types of connectors. Obviously, the open APIs ones are a lot easier to build. Um, we manage the whole, if you're familiar with OAuth or the authentication to these software systems, we manage that for you. So like token management, you know, scopes, roles, things like that. Um, but for the on-premise ones, they don't have APIs, right? So it's kind of a lot of breaking in and then exposing an easy way for someone to integrate after the fact. We even have some SaaS integrations that they don't have APIs, and we they're kind of like, we have to be Plaid for SaaS, if you're familiar with that, for banking. We have to put in your username and password, and we kind of like backdoor it in through the unpublished APIs or do syncs and things like that. You have to, to get access to the data when they haven't built it out is, can be difficult. You're finding a way in every time. Yeah. And we <laughs> built, you know, 93 of these while I was at Weave, right, into yeah. on mostly on-premise. And so we're really familiar with it. Very cool. Yeah. Plaid, that's that's your world, Jake. A little bit. Yeah, the banking world. Yeah. Interesting. So it seems like it would be a lot of, like, you, ha- you have to – it's not automated. You have to kind of – tailor fit it to every customer or is most of it automated? Most of it is automated. Okay. We, because we only do like the authentication and connection, like we still leave the business logic up to the customer. So we yeah. just take away the tedious part and let them do the fun part. That's essentially awesome. Yeah. So did you, did you know you were always going to go into software? Is that what your background's in? Yeah. I knew I, in first grade, my mom was, I think the highest ranking woman in finance at JCPenney and got to bring a computer home. This is pre-Windows. And so I was in first grade playing with DOS and- Must have been a big desktop computer, one of those big, big brick things, right? Big, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I told my first grade teacher when she asked what I wanted to be when I grew up and it was, I want to be a programmer. Like I just knew, like I was hooked. Wow. Yeah. So, and it never changed? It never changed. Wow, that's no, incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, my co-founder and I were best friends growing up and he was always better than me in pretty much every way, <laughs> which is always is that hurts Jason? the confidence later. Yeah, Jason, Jason? Cool. Um, just always smarter. He ended up getting his PhD in electrical engineering. I got weeded out of BYU. Like that's like the comparison. Um, he had a programming job in high school. Like that's the difference between wow. me and him. But I always knew I wanted to be a programmer even if I wasn't the best at it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Tell us about your journey um, building up the empire we now know as Weave. That's fascinating. Sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of that was just luck. I'm just going to be straight with you. I was in the right place at the right time. Brandon, the, who I call the founder of Weave, was the idea guy. He came up with the idea. He paid a local development firm to even build the first version here. Izeni, if you've heard of them. Gabe Gunderson. Um, incredible. Gabe was instrumental in building Divi, Weave, and a bunch of other companies. Shout out to Gabe. Uh, yeah. Right? I mean, the guy's incredible. He's a mentor and friend now. Um, I had previously in college built a CRM for summer sales company that Brandon worked at. Which one was it? It uh, it was Stampede Marketing. They sold Comcast door to door. Oh, okay. They're defunct. Don't know them. We both come from that, that world and they they were around for a couple of years and then they're gone. But anyway, I, I sold that CRM to them. That was for like not very much money, but it was still that 
when you're in college, you're like, this is awesome. It's your first win. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Like, this is amazing. And so I was the only developer that Brandon knew. And so when he was ready to bring it in-house, he just asked if I wanted to come do it. And I said, let's go. So we did it. And uh, Brandon's incredible to work with. He's a great co-founder. We talk almost daily still. Cool. Um, yeah. When was, was that? Founder. When you guys got started, roughly? So he started building it in around 2010. I came on in 2011. Got it. And then was there nine and a half years. Till the exit. Right. Well, I left before the IPO. Oh, you did? I did, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that happened there. Mm-hmm. When you raise VC, you don't have control. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so what lessons that you took from Weave have kind of changed the game for you on your, your now call I love that question because so much of who I am came from that company and building it and working with Brandon and Jared, the other two co-founders who just made that company awesome. And Brandon was so focused on having a great people culture that that was so great for me. Like I loved it. And like he practiced what he preached and he didn't let the success get to his head. Um, And so it was just great. And so I took all those learnings from culture standpoint and and putting those learnings into Kala essentially. And I love it. We just want to have a group. We want, we want to be the best place to work in Utah. Like that's our ambition. So. And you hear that a lot about weave. People love it. They don't leave there very often. Yeah. I mean, I went, we went three years without anyone leaving the engineering department, <laughs> wow. which is unheard of. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. What kind of things were you doing that were, I mean, that was kind of even before, you know, the Silicon Slopes movement and everything. So what things were you doing to create that kind of culture specifically? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, the first thing I would say is you have to measure it. And so we had to come up with ways to measure it through surveys and get a pulse, right? So I think that's one of the most important things. And then the next is figuring out like what your values are as a company and making sure you hire around those values. And when everyone has a shared value system and a shared mission, the culture kind of shapes itself. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing to see. So we still hire those type of people for call. I mean, there's only me, my co-founder, and two employees right now. We're really small. Both of those employees came from Weave. And uh, we just had someone say it the other day. I was at lunch with someone, and they're like, you're, you're a developer, right? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, you're like the most positive developer I've ever met. And I'm like, well, I, I know sometimes developers get a bad rap, right, for being kind of negative and stoic. But those are the type of developers that we hired at Weave. Like we hired like glass half full type of people. Like we, we didn't want the negativity. Happy people, essentially. Yeah, happy people. Huh. Yeah, that was one of our core values. When even before Weave had core values, the engineering department had core values. And that was one of them. We stole them from, I think it was SendGrid. They had the four H's, and happy was the fourth one. So, I had a couple accounting professors uh, when I was going to school, and they would be like, are you sure you're an accountant? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's the same thing. Like, yeah. are you sure you're a developer? Yeah. Yeah, it made me question things. I was like, maybe I'm not. Like, maybe I should maybe <laughs> I should be. Well, it just turns out I'm not a very good developer, so that's, that's what it comes down to. Uh, I don't believe that for a second. Well, I think maybe just being... Knowing enough to be okay as a developer, but being a great boss of developers that, you know, you maybe you're set up perfect for that. Like you, you understand the developer side enough to like 
give them what they need, provide them the resources that they need, check the work that's being done, understand it, but also like you're a leader. So, you know, you have the perfect kind of dynamic of those two things. That's what I like to tell myself. Great. Uh, No, (laughs) I I agree with Jake. I mean, I think that if you have those people skills, that takes, I mean, that takes anyone so much further in their career than, than they could otherwise go. Skills are, you know, uh, top notch, you know, cutting edge skills or, or less than that. It doesn't matter if you have the, the great people skills. I think that, that that fills in all the gaps, you know. Definitely still have some weaknesses and definitely made huge mistakes with the people management. Like you'll be able to find people out there that think I'm the worst manager that's ever existed. <laughs> but, um, hopefully at the end of the day when I left Weave, people thought, yeah, Clint was a good manager. I hope. <laughs> I'm sure they need to do more surveys. That's, what I, that's how I <laughs> So, Quinn, this is really cool. Can you tell us about Forge Utah? So, Brandon joined a group probably like four years in to Weave called 10X CEO. It was like this coaching group. And I remember thinking, this is the most hokey bowl I've ever seen. And we were, it's like expensive. I'm probably undershooting it at 20 grand a year. Like a networking And we were like, thing. it's not like we were like cash rich. Yeah. It wasn't networking. It was literally coaching. But they do put you in a group of other CEOs, and then they'd have someone there like, coaching and then they have this like very detailed you go through what you're working on like what are problems you have and everyone gives each other advice leadership business advice everything and i remember thinking this is the dumbest thing why are you doing why are you wasting money on this and then over the next four years that he did it like he completely changed like he went he had like his weaknesses one of them being like he would take everything personally if someone quits, like, no, you're fired. <laughs> you know, like, that's an, exa- <laughs> that's an exaggeration, but you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we was his baby. He took it personally, and he just became this incredible leader. And the, a lot of it was he'd come back and he'd talk about what he learned at one of these one of these 10X CEO, CEO groups. And that's why I, re- I realized, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, that's so cool. And I started looking for things like for CTOs. I couldn't find anything. It was one of the reasons why we built this not-for-profit, Forge Utah, was to provide engineers and developers and engineering leaders with a place to go where they can build their skills. And we're even starting a roundtable similar to 10X CEO, mm-hmm. piloting it right now to just get leaders in a similar company sizes, CTOs, co-founders, technical co-founders to help build their skills and help become better leaders. So, so they kind of have that experience over the course of a few years, really like ramping up their leadership skills and their strategy skills. That Absolutely. Kind of thing, is that right? Yeah. With a technical focus, right? Mm-hmm. Like leading engineers, right? And, you know, we'll also talk about technical things, technical decisions and why you're making those technical decisions. Are they good for the business? Um, it's hard sometimes for engineers, especially me. You want to do the most pure technical solution, but that's not maybe the best decision for the business. Like sometimes it's just get it out the door as fast as you can and start getting feedback instead of building this perfect technical solution. Hmm. Is that is it hard for, I mean, in those kind of settings and I've been to those before or versions of them it's hard for people to open up and become vulnerable pretty quick how do you do that and, and foster that yeah for this pilot it's really because it's people that I know and they already trust me and we also have this community right so it's like eight up to 850 engineers in the slack group now um, and we have been hosting the Utah go meetup for instance we have a front-end meetup um, we have the Utah we sponsor the Utah data science meetup um, and so we have a whole bunch of meetups that where we meet in person. And so we have kind of a relationship community built already. And uh, I think that's going to be the start, but also adding structure to it. Um, something I really love from the 10X CEO is they had a lot of structure. Like you had to fill out 
this form on week before you came and it was very like what are you working on what are you going to work on over the next three months before you come back and then they ask you about it like there's an accountability right like did you improve on this did you fix this problem in your business or whatever so sounds fascinating yeah i think it's so interesting because a lot of the like a lot of the programs out there they lack that last component and i think that's so crucial in actually making a difference is you have to have that accountability and you have to have somebody that's going to follow up with you because it's so easy to just go through the motions and not actually make a change. Say yeah, one day this will happen, you know? Yeah. And that's probably why, one of the reasons why, I mean, Brandon was just open to change, right? He was that, that type of person that wanted to be better. But at the same time, it, that structure probably helped him to go back and have to report. Like, I love it. Yeah. So are you looking for more folks to join in that that group and um, grow not that yet. Community? Like not it's yet. really early pilot. I want to make sure I get it right, and then we'll broaden it. Um, we're not Ten X CEO was definitely a for profit venture. This is going to be run under the not for profit, and it's going to be local to Utah. So it's going to be a little bit different, and hopefully we have enough like engineering leaders that want to do it. Um, historically, a lot of engineering leaders are more introverted, and so you have to really build that trust beforehand. And so we'll have to see how it goes. But. Cool. There's another book called Quiet. It's about um, the introvert leaders. Okay. So you might have to check that one out. I'll have to too. check it out. Brandon was interesting that way. He called himself an introvert salesperson. Yeah. And he was. Like, mm -hmm. he didn't get his energy off socializing at all. Yeah. In fact, yeah, it that's was embarrassing. What... We went through Y Combinator, and we were all that way, all three co-founders. <laughs> <laughs> and so we all would go into these, like, social events, these networking events, and all three of us just sat in the corner for, like, 15 minutes, and then we'd go home. And you'd hear all these people, like, they made lifelong friends out of Y Combinator, and we were like, uh, we didn't make any friends. Uh, you guys we... went in with a safety blanket, the three yeah, of we, you. I know. That was the problem. Maybe if I would have gone alone. We had one event, like, that my wife came down to and went with me, and she's very not – she's just not afraid to talk to people. That's not her thing. And so – I met more people that day than I met the entire four months of Y Combinator in one night because my wife was with me. So that's good. It's good to have a spouse that pushes you outside yeah, your absolutely. comfort zone. That's yeah, right. she definitely does that. That's yeah. right. How has this journey of entrepreneurship, you know, building Weave and now Kala, how has that been with some of the family dynamics there? Yeah, it was hard. I'm low on sleep. I'll try not to cry. <laughs> um, I went three years without a vacation. Wow. I missed all my kids' stuff. I would never do it again, ever. And I won't do it again, not for the startup, not for anything. My wife went to Europe without me because I couldn't go. Now, this was a unique situation. Brandon hired me because he trusted me, not because of my skill set. And so when I came in and inherited this product, I had a lot to learn. We built, I mean, they built a phone system and I inherited a phone system, an open source phone system. And Gabe, who was my mentor, who built the initial version, had to teach me everything. And so it was a fire hose. And so I averaged, when I looked back, over 80-hour weeks average for four years. It was hard. Brutal. Yeah, it was hard. Um, and so I don't think you have to do that to be successful. I'm not advocating that. I think that was just the situation I was in, where I came into a situation where I had to learn. And I had to learn a lot. I wasn't a computer science major. I got weeded out of electrical engineering. There's a lot of things I didn't know about networking. There's a lot of things I didn't know about computer science, and I had to learn fast. And Gabe helped me learn those things, but it was it was rough. 
So that kind of plays into the the theme of the podcast. Uh, the there was a story this week that I read. One of the current NBA players um, that played with Kobe, um, his last season, uh, he had gone back to his hometown and um, they finished their game and they got back to the hotel and he was getting ready to go out and hang out with his high school buddies and all that. And Kobe said, where are you going? And he was like, oh, I'm going to go hang out. He's like, no, you're not. We're going to the gym. And they went to a local gym and they did their workout together. And it's this guy, I can't remember what current NBA player it is, but he said it changed his career because now whenever he goes on vacation, he, he works. Like he shows up at the local gym and just gets his work in after the, the um, game's over. And somebody that opens the gym for these NBA players said to him, I haven't seen anybody in years. The last person that worked out at this gym, this was a couple, a couple weeks ago that this story came out. He said the last person that worked out at this gym was Kobe. And, Incredible. Uh, and so wow. that's the theme of the yeah. podcast, right? Like it's the midnight founder. It's all the behind the scenes work that goes into starting a company. And I know you, you're, uh, you don't want to advocate for this, like, Hey, you have to work a hundred hours a week to be successful as an entrepreneur. But the theme is still there that like, you're the person that has to solve the problems and you have to be willing to step in. And sometimes that does mean that you're going to be at work at midnight. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't necessarily mean like that you have to be there all day until midnight, but you might be there at midnight sometimes. Yeah, no so doubt. can you talk about that a little bit more? Oh, so many stories at Weave, right? When you're building a phone system for small businesses, starting out in dental, they live and die on the phone system. Like, and so if the internet has a hiccup and their phones don't work because it's voice over IP, they call, they complain, they cancel. Like our business depended on that phone system working. And in the early days when we're growing, and I don't know enough about VoIP stack yet with Gabe, we're in the colo doing upgrades, like adding new servers. I was asleep on the floor. And one side of the colo at midnight is super hot because that's where the heat from the servers is generated and the air conditioning is on the other side. So you're either 90 degrees or you're 60 degrees. Like you can't, it's not a comfortable place to sleep right? Um, there were so many nights. And Gabe has a story like in those early days when, he, when we were going, even in the morning when he would shower, he would prop his phone up against the shower to make sure no alerts came. Like that's how fragile it was as we were growing. So you were on 24-7? 24-7 on call. 365. For a long time. Mm -hmm. I hired my first VoIP developer four years in. His name was Emmanuel. And then after we hired a couple more VoIP engineers, I was not on call for 24-7 anymore, and that was, like, the best. But early, it was rough. Yeah. You said earlier that you, you know, that four years plus time period that you had to be just on, like you just described, you wouldn't do that again. Mm -hmm. And um, just because the sacrifice that it stole from you was just too great and too much on your family and you, yourself personally. Is that kind of where you're thinking that? Yeah. And I, but I agree there are times when you have to, mm -hmm. but you don't have to do it for four years straight. Yeah. Right. And sometimes you think you have to. And I think even in this situation, I didn't have to, I had to be available. I had to be on call 24 seven. Gabe couldn't take vacations and I couldn't take vacations where we didn't have internet. It just wasn't thing. Like my wife's family goes to Uintas every year. I'm like, I'm sorry, I, I can't go. 
Now I could with Starlink, which is awesome. <laughs> but um, uh, back then you couldn't. And that was just, she knew, and that was just the way it went. But I think there were definitely times when I felt the pressure so deeply at the startup that I put in extra hours that even I didn't need to or things that could have waited. You're pushing yourself almost. Pushing myself a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were times when I got burnt out. There were times when I thought I was going to quit. And ironically, it was my wife who's like, uh-uh. <laughs> She's like, we've already – you've already been gone for two years. You're not quitting now. <laughs> you know, I was like, she's like, I didn't sacrifice mm-hmm. having three kids during this time to have you quit in the middle of it. You're finishing this out and then, then you'll take a break. So what's your wife's name? Her name is Melissa. Melissa. We need to give a shout out to Melissa. Right. It sounds like you've got an awesome yeah, support she's system at home. Wonderful and supportive. And thankfully we had a good talk before I agreed to go to weave and just said, let me tell you a little bit about what a startup's like. And uh, she was very supportive, and she says, this is what you want to do. Let's do it. Well, I think that and, like, after that whole experience, she also let you start Kala. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had another discussion. I made sure it wasn't going to be like right? last time, right? Like, we still have to put in long hours sometimes. Like you For said, sure. there are times when there's problems. Like, I'm gone. But it's I go to my kids' sporting events. We go on vacations. We just went to Cabo for our anniversary. Like, Fantastic. And it's great. And it's good for our employees to see that, that I can take vacations and they can take vacations. Yeah. I don't think it ruins the sense of urgency at all. Like, we still have a sense of urgency. We still have to get product market fit. We still have to start making money. Like, we feel it. But you almost do need to take that time to refresh, recharge the batteries. Otherwise, you're going to burn out. And yeah, I think a lot worse. of people... Would I think that's one of my superpowers is I can, as a programmer, I can go forever. I love it. I get a dopamine hit every time I finish a function. It's addicting. I love programming. And even now as a CEO, that's what's hard for me as a developer uh, is to say I have to focus on sales. When And it's not that I hate sales even. I'm actually enjoying it. I meet people. I get to hear about their companies, what problems they have with You're their integrations. Podcast. Yeah, like I'm on a podcast right now because I'm a CEO. That's so fun, right? And uh, But my instinct and the thing that I love the most is I want to be programming. And so it's hard to like make sure I'm not I'm, – I'm working on the thing – I should be working on the things that are most important, not being the developer, especially when I'm not the best developer on my team. In fact, I'm the worst on my team. Like that's not the thing I should be focusing on. My co-founder is incredible. So he, just let him manage it, and I'll come in when I can. I like to mention this every time it comes, every time we meet a company that has this experience, but I think it, it really shows a ton of, uh, value. And I think it shows who you guys are as leaders that you have members of old teams that are now joining you at your new company and you and your co-founder came from previous company together to start this new company. So I really like that. And I think it's, uh, I think it's awesome that you're able to do that. That loyalty. Yeah, I love it too. And I love the people I work with. I mean, Tyson and Tom, my other two front engineers, one's in St. George, and Tyson comes into the office with us. But they're just incredible. They're such great people, great to work with. Yeah, and I love, I'm glad that they were willing to make the leap, you know, to a definitely a more unstable environment to try again, to do it with me again. So it's awesome. So what's next? What are you looking forward to now? Um, I'm looking to getting better product market fit and growing Kala and making it big again. And then, um, not that I'm anxious to be out of Kala by any means, excuse me. Um, but 
I definitely want to focus on the not-for-profit full-time. That's what I, where I'll be after this. So That's your passion at this point. Yeah, it turns out I just love the community aspect of it. I love building community, and I love connecting, and it's fun. So Great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you've kind of been... Uh, you've shared little nuggets of wisdom this whole way through. Um, so I kind of hesitate asking this, but, uh, but you've been through this process a couple times now. Um, what advice do you have for somebody that's just getting started in entrepreneurship? Well, let me start by giving some advice to someone that's wanting to be a venture backed startup. I think that's sometimes that's a little bit different. Um, being resilient and being able to face rejection is so important. And when in the early days of Weave, when we were raising money, Brandon was trying to raise money in Utah. No one would give him money. And we had some traction. We had some customers. No one. We got into Y Combinator, and then all of a sudden, right, lots of people want to be involved. Um, but even then, like, you'd be shocked. We raised our Series A out of Y Combinator, which it was way easier than anything that we'd done fundraising wise previously but we still got a lot of no's. And then after that, you know, you have the ups and downs of your business. And we, we were counting at one point and we had 127 no's and three yeses and three rounds of funding. So 127 no's. It's a lot of pitches. It's a lot of no's. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, oh, you're in Utah. You know, you're first-time founders. We're not sure your team can handle this. And it's painful. And I remember coming, we were in Bay Area, right? We'd fly out for these pitches. I'd go home to the hotel, call my wife, and be like, I don't know if I can handle this, <laughs> like all the no's. And Brandon, to his credit, you know, he served an LDS mission in Romania, which is like two years of straight rejection. Um, he played baseball in high school. Like you strike out a lot, right? He just handled rejection so well, and it kept me going. Like he was just like the next day, he's like, it's all right. We'll just go do some more pitches today. He was over it. He'd be mad for like a minute and then he'd move on to the next one. Like, and he just kept getting chips on his shoulders. Like, fine. Like, you don't want to invest in us? Like, we'll show you. We'll show you. We'll show you. We'll show you. And he did. He pulled it off and showed them all. I love it. And so that taught me when I'm now that I'm CEO is I need to have that same type of resilience and not to say that I'm intransigent or what's the word where you like, not that I can't change my mind or pivot my product when I need to, but I need to be able to handle rejection. I need to be able to handle thick skin and I need to keep pushing because that's like half of it is just keep pushing, pivot, do whatever you need to do. You will find a solution. So that would be my advice for companies that want to raise capital and grow big. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that story. I love Same. that experience. And I think that's great advice. Yeah. Well, Clint, this has been super fun. Is there anything else that you want to talk about on the podcast here that we haven't covered? Anything that we can help you out with? Or No, I mean, the only yeah. thing I would say is uh, if you're any engineers out there listening in the local area, uh, make sure to join Forge Utah, right? We just have a Slack group. Hop on and you can get advice on pretty much any technology topic and join us. So Forge, F-O-R-G-E? Yeah, it's a... Uh, we don't have a website, so you okay. just have to find us on LinkedIn. Okay. <laughs> we'll have the link to the Slack invite there. Yeah. Website forthcoming. Okay. But uh, I've been saying that for four years. So <laughs> it's funny. as it, It's like plumbers, right? They never want to fix their own house. Like if you're a web developer, I don't want to build my own website. This is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So Clint, last thing for our audience, where can they find more about Kala and more about you if, they, if they're if they looking? How do they yeah, find you? Uh, 
our website for Kala is getkala.com. So it's G-E-T-K-O-L-L-A.com. And yeah, if you're looking for any type of integrations for your company, customer-facing integrations, that's, that's what we do. So reach out for sure. Very cool. Quinn, thanks for joining us today. It's been fun to have you on the Midnight Founders Podcast. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been my pleasure. Take care. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.